Welcome to Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. Bill, who's the best running back in college football? Well, Dalvin Cook, obviously. Oh, God. Kid, the kids get in the shelter now. <laughs> now. You know we have a good editor in Jason Kirk when he can take something rather mundane, like a single stat that says, in this case, Dalvin Cook is more explosive than Leonard Fournette. Uh, and he slaps just the right headline on it, and uh, both fan bases explode before they realize it, uh, they, before they re- read it and go, oh, yeah, I guess that's, that's fine. Um, so let's, 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 uh, walk this out as they say, um, in your normal numerical column that came up just, uh, on Tuesday morning, um, there's one particular stat that, um, I, I don't, I don't think it's that surprising. I think if I watched snippets of Florida state Louisville over the weekend and, uh, you know, Dalvin cook had some, had some man runs and that's all we've wanted to talk about at the running back position this year has been Leonard Fournette, but Cook has sort of quietly put together a really nice season, and there is one individual stat, I'll let you sort of explain all this, that says he may be more valuable to his team. Well, or even just more explosive. He's not as efficient. Like, Fournette's more likely to gain five yards on any given carry. It's just when Cook gets to five yards, he's going to go like another 18, um, and, and Fournette's only going to go like, you know, 14 or something. So, yeah, no, how, do you, how do you craft a running back more explosive than Dalvin Cook at this point? It's amazing what happens when he gets a step, you know, when he gets to that edge or that, uh, that just gorgeous option they ran against Miami where uh, Gol- uh, Golson waited till the last moment to, to pitch the ball and he had to beat one guy and just pew, right down the sideline. He's, he's incredible to watch in the open field, but then Fournette is more likely to carry four tacklers for five yards between the tackles. So you know, what, what was in the piece was about highlight yards. It's basically, it, it is a general attempt to divvy out credit bef- between the line and the running back. And it's, it is a massive generalization, but you can still kind of reach some general qu- conclusions or ask for, uh, ask questions from it. And it basically says that once you get to the second level, uh, cooks the se- cooks the better back, cooks the more explosive guy. But that makes sense if you've seen them. That that makes a lot of sense, and you know th- that doesn't mean he's the better overall back. So what we've seen in the in the minutes, really not even hours since your piece came out, is a good old fashioned nasty stat fight between Florida State and LSU fans. <laughs> and uh, one thing that jumped out at me is that I guess people already had charts ready, which is sort of terrifying. Um, comparing the uh, the opposing team's uh, run defenses, yeah, this it's thing, a little shocking actually because you would you're, you're, the lazy assumption is that oh you know LSU's in the SEC, but I mean Florida State's actually played some really good run defenses. Well, Boston College is an, it has an awesome defense this year. Now, granted, Clemson torched them the other day, so we'll see. Maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna fade now that they realize that their offense isn't gonna score for them. But um, no, I mean FSU has played some some Louisville's a pretty good defense and and USF isn't bad. Wake Forest and Miami aren't terrible. They're they're average. They're, you know, maybe a little worse than Mississippi State but probably better than Auburn and South Carolina. Um, and, and you know Texas State and Eastern Michigan cancel out. It is, it was funny. This caught us off guard. The the massive explosion that happened about four seconds after the post went up. But it makes sense. LSU and Florida State fans figure they probably can find quite a few things to argue about at the end of the day. They're pretty good at interneting. Uh, when, it, when if you had to, if you had to rank fan bases on their ability to internet, um, I think FSU would probably be number one, and then oh. LSU would be top ten at least. I'd say FSU was first dropping. and last on that list. Holler at my boys at Tiger Droppings. Um, just to throw a shameless plug in there, because my work is um, a lot lazier than yours, 
Uh, Bud Elliott and I had a conversation. Uh, I call them Bud Freeze. Um, and we put our conversations up on uh, as, as sort of Monday morning posts. And it's basically kind of a really raw editorial process of concepts and trends and storylines and things that we're trying to sort of kind of figure out what we want to write about. And then that ends up being what we write about. So this week was um, I have always kind of picked at LSU fans um, because I have LSU fans for in-laws and I know a lot of LSU fans and um, you know I think probably outside of the school I went to I probably know more LSU fans than I do anybody else about their uh, magical ability to have so many amazing wide receivers in the NFL but um, still run one of the most boring non-wide receiver involved offenses in all of college football especially this year so I think if I could tie these two things together you talk about um, Dalvin Cook's explosiveness you know uh, I guess would you say breaking contact? It's not just yards after contact. I don't want to. I don't want to mince exactly what your, your numbers are. Basically, the, the yards he's responsible for. I think you can tie that directly to the fact that schools like Florida State and LSU are putting wide receivers in the NFL that are big-bodied, athletic guys who NFL scouts really like because they can run block. And I think that we talk all the time about like Baylor and TCU and you know Auburn and Ole Miss and. Um, you know, any just all these up tempo offenses in general. Wide receivers that are playing in them in these quote unquote boring pro sets are are learning to run block in a much different way. And I know for a fact that that NFL scouts covet that. And so it's kind of interesting to, to maybe the logic's gonna change that it's not so much about catching eighty five passes as it is learning how to play in a pro set early. And run routes and learn to catch in space. To an NFL narrative like that. But but I mean I was just I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, and, and you know the the route trees that they run, they're not, you know, half. Of, if you're in a spread offense, half of your catches are going to be kind of just camped out in space, or as soon as the ball's snapped, or something like that. And so, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I, you know, I, I, it makes t- it makes total sense to me that like a, du- a Malachi Dupre type would would go to LSU, but then I start to fantasize about what he would do on like Texas Tech, buddy. That, that I, just, I mean, in terms of my own personal entertainment, I wish they would go to other schools, but it makes sense. And and look, I mean, he's gonna, he's got Fournette at his disposal. He he might not catch as many balls, but he's gonna average like twenty five yards a catch because of play action. So there's there's a lot of unsexy things that'll get you work in football. And run blocking as a wide receiver is one of them. My favorite NFL player is is Roddy White for because I'm a Falcons fan, and and he is renowned for his ability to run block. He was a state champion in high school wrestling. Say so it's it's sort of like long snapping. Like people always ask, like, how can I ensure that I get a, a look for a college scholarship and pay my way through college playing football? Be a long snapper. Yeah. Like be a really good long snapper. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, if you're a run blocking wide receiver, you're you're gonna find work somewhere. Um, so now that I've driven us directly into the unsexy divot of uh, run blocking wide receivers and long snappers, help me get out of this. Terrified. I, I was getting ready to pull up like four Missouri examples for for the run blocking, but I guess I'll I'll hold off on that for another show. I think I think our off season run blocking wide receivers uh, will we'll go ninety minutes <laughs> or eight. It'll 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 top the iTunes charts. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, Michigan Michigan State. Um, I really liked your piece um, explaining all the positives that no Michigan fan wants to take right now. Um, this is a team that from over on my narrative side of the fence, away from your statistical side, it's just, you know, they, it, it was amazing how fast they reached the USC level of, of um, over-attention from, from national types like myself. I mean, it was pretty stunning early on how fast the people caught into this, you know, NFL coach coming home, all this stuff. However, 
I think in this loss, I was probably most impressed with them. Uh, th- this was the game that I watched start to finish for the first time. I watched most of the Utah game that they lost, and uh, this is uh, this is a really good football team. However, um, they lose the game. They're probably at a national title contention. Um, you still think they could probably win every close game they've got coming up. I mean, I, I, I would have them favored in those road games that they have coming up. Um, I, without looking, I think, where they're at – Minnesota, they're at Penn State. They get Ohio State at home. I mean, they could win out. Yeah, if they can, if they keep playing at the level they've established so far, they'll probably win out, or at least you know win the next four before you get to Ohio State. Since who the hell knows what Ohio State's capable of at this point? But no, I mean they're they're second in my S and P rankings. They went up from third uh, after the Michigan State game because on a you know they got outgained on a per play basis. But they're so freaking good at like the field position game and stuff like that. And that is that's what they did at Stanford. That that's Jim Harbaugh ball. They just don't have a quarterback yet. And, uh, you know, I, I've been it's got I, I kind of hate when the flavor of the month is a team is a, is a Michigan and not like, a, you know, Purdue. It's a lot more right. fun to talk about brand new teams. But I mean, of course, it's been a story because a they are Michigan. But B, not only did Harbaugh come home, he he, he has immediately made an impact. And, and yeah, all you got to do is think of if this exact game played out a year ago, it would have been a Michigan upset bid that fell short because of something keystone cops ish that we would all make fun of because Michigan, you know, fell apart again. Now it was actually shocking and it knocked Michigan out of the national title race, at least for now until a bunch of more people, uh, teams lose. Uh, so yeah, it was completely different. And, and that was a sign of progress, even if that's not really one, what you want to hear after you just got your guts ripped out. So this season is such a mess right now, and it's a wonderful mess, but it's a, it's a very sort of hard to it's, uh, hard to characterize. It's hard to put a frame around it. You don't really build a lot of easy talking points from it. Let's look at some of these teams that have lost games, okay? How good is Stanford? Because I know you wrote a piece saying, hey, they're the best team in football when they play like this after beating UCLA on Thursday night. Um, I, I went back and watched part of that game. Um, the more I look at them just – numerically i've uh, this is a really good football team that just sort of lost a strange unfortunate game to open the season which is not something you know that's not a death sentence in the in the college football playoff obviously look at ohio state but right. i'm starting to really think that stanford is a is a, they may end up in the playoff yeah I, i'm concerned about their defense um because it's so freaking thin and even against ucla they uh, I mean, they're, they're, their offense hasn't been stopped in weeks now, but their defense, I think, has a few cracks that <clears throat> might lead them into a trouble at some point. But no, they, Stanford, Alabama, um, really kind of Notre Dame. There are some really, really, really good one-loss teams that have passed a lot of tests this year. Oklahoma is freaking fifth in, in F+, and it drives me crazy. Because I wrote about that in the numerical, too. I'm getting so sick of them proving how good they are and, and, and kind of – uh, justifying when I talk highly of them and then just randomly laying a damn egg. And that seems to be what they do. They can't perform well if they're getting too much good press. I've seen two Oklahoma losses in person this year, and I know we're, I'm, it's a 5 and one football team. I was at Knoxville, and then I was in Dallas for Red River. Um, I, I, I can't – I don't understand this Oklahoma team at all. I think they've they've gotten some lucky bounces in both statistically and in, in, in football games. The Oklahoma loss to me is more egregious for Tennessee than the Florida loss. 
um, because it was at home, because they were so dominant early on, because they absolutely shut down, um, you know, Oklahoma's ability to run and pass. Baker Mayfield looked terrible. I think he was averaging like under two yards a pass attempt or pass completion going into the third quarter. That game still sticks out to me because if Tennessee hangs on, it doesn't really change their fortune so much as it does just kind of removes Oklahoma from this conversation. Um, Talking about teams with one loss, I really like Stanford. I think I like Cal. Um, Notre Dame, I'm still not sure about. And we'll get to that in a second because I'm going to ask you a Clemson question. And that game that I saw, I still don't really know what I saw um, in the pouring rain sideways. Sucked. Um, Alabama, I mean, right now I think I could I could make an argument, just for insanity's sake, that Alabama and Stanford are – better teams for the playoff than the, than the undefeated schools in front of them. Some of the undefe- some of the undefeated schools in front of them. I don't even want to get into the Baylor TCU thing right now because I know I'm setting myself up there for a colossal argument, but I'm a guy who's picked Michigan State. Every, anytime I'm asked to make a playoff four, which is at least once a week, I've had Michigan State in there for pretty much the better part of a year. I think they're fourth in the, uh, in the coaches poll right now. Um, does anybody right now feel like LSU is going to go to Alabama and win? I mean, that's, that, that's a wholesale dismissal. I'm not saying they don't have the ability to because they certainly do. But, you know, I know you don't like narrative, but it, this just feels like an LSU team that goes in and loses by 10. So. Well, I think they go in and lose because Alabama's better. Right. I think Alabama's a better team. I know LSU's in, a, in the worst way, the, like way more fun to watch. Like we've taken the simplicity of, of what this four net offense is and, and they've done something sort of really interesting with it, which is a strange thing to say. There's all kinds of contradictions in that statement. But I think some of the teams with dings on their records, this is the point of this segment, uh, are more interesting and more formidable than some of the undefeateds oh, right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, the shaky ground that Ohio State and Michigan State are on. Um, and then again, I just want to kind of like hermetically seal Baylor and TCU. And I just don't know what I have, you know, I don't know what to evaluate yet. I don't know what to prognosticate yet. Um, I like them both. I think TCU is my number one team right now, which is just as stupid as picking anyone else. Um, I, I really like Baylor. I I, I don't even want to get into that yet because I just, all right, let's not debate Baylor and TCU bill, but is Oklahoma going to give any kind of challenge? I mean, is there any school that's going to challenge any of these guys to where it just – is there a scenario in which you don't have two undefeated teams a day after Thanksgiving? Well, first, I mean, at this point, OU bears the burden of proof that they can stay within like 30 points of Baylor. Hasn't happened for a few years. So, um, you know, there's – I don't really see them doing that, especially in Waco. But I, they almost beat TCU in – uh, uh, Fort Worth last year and TCU was maybe a little better last year OU was worse so just that alone and the fact that the game's in Norman you know obviously last year this year whatever but uh, th- they could absolutely beat TCU I think TCU's defense I think is starting to maybe come around a little bit but not a lot and um, their uh, you know their offense Travon Boykin is you know, the, apparently not only really fun to watch, but an, an you know incredible dude off the field, and that's always fun to see. But I am sold on Baylor. Uh, I am a little more sold on TCU, um, and I'm just throwing my hands up at OU. But they could, uh, OU can beat anybody. Uh, you know, on the right day, they've shown that. I just don't see it happening, especially against Baylor. 
I think I, I think as, as we sort of talk this through, I'm finally developing a better feel for what the what that top field looks like. Um, and I haven't really felt that way all season because when you get past, I think we're starting to see a divide when you get past it. And I'm just arbitrarily using the USA Today poll. Mainly, I, I've started to, to get more interest in the polls this season because of the because of the large amount of teams that all look about the same. And it's not that I don't you know use the stuff at Football Outsiders, or the work that you do. It's sure. that it, no, I have a good reason. <laughs> These polls, whether people want to admit it or not, influence the the committee way more than we realize. You know, I've taught. In fact, the first question I usually ask a committee member is, "How are you? You know, how are you determining?" Da, 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 and, and they always seem to go expressly out of their way to say that you know the polls don't matter. I I don't buy that at all. The polls have matched up before with what the with the committee did last year, and I think the polls just sort of color the bias more than people want to admit. It's almost subconscious at this point. Because well, the polls the, were so influential for so long. Well, the polls determine the big games. You know, the yes, games that yes. everybody's more likely to be paying attention to early. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't at that point really depend. You know, the teams can change after they play. But, the, you know, the polls will dictate who, especially if a committee, uh, you know, from the first game of the season is, you know, they know they're going to be tasked with choosing these teams. Mm-hmm. They're going to be paying attention mostly to the games that are you know pitting top ten or top twenty teams, and so that will give you a, maybe a slight false impression if somebody's coming from off the radar. Of course, you know we're saying this, but who did they pick first in the first uh, playoff rankings last year? Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and then they came from off the radar. So that's probably a sign uh, that, among other things, especially since they're waiting until November this year, um, this isn't. Once the these rankings start, it's not quite as hard as we think it's going to be, or it's it's not as hard as it looks like it will be right now. Some of these questions will get answered in the next couple of weeks, but um, but no, the the polls definitely dictate your attention, and and that will have a some sort of bias at least. Um, smooth, smooth radio quality transition here. Uh, talking about a number one team out of. Completely, not completely out of left field, but out of out of normal consideration. You have Clemson as your number one team. Is that right? Uh, this the, is, by the way, this is not in the S and P. This is in your. No, team. I mean S and P in our combined F plus. Oh yeah, it is. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I think the numbers kind of swayed me a little bit because they are still undefeated too. I mean, they, you know, they. I, I don't think it's you know disputable that they've got a top five or ten defense, and they are, just became the first team all season, including like Florida State, to do anything against Boston College's defense. I know BC's numbers are a little inflated because they played Maine and Howard, uh, but they also played FSU, and they allowed seven offensive points to FSU, and they allowed 34 to Clemson. So um, I, I think that game, you know, they also allowed some points to BC, which is kind of embarrassing, but um, I think that game kind of solidified that in terms of upside, obviously you still have to get past FSU, and I don't think there's anybody who, when, when Clemson and Florida State play, they're going to just – you know, I guarantee Clemson's going to win this game, even though it's at home. Uh, that you know that the uniforms will dictate that we probably you know that FSU's got a pretty good shot, mm-hmm. but they're going to have a shot. And if they win that game, then you know they have to survive. Like you know, I think at Miami, some some semi tricky you know ACC style road games where you've got to you know you don't have that many elite opponents, but you're playing a lot of top thirty or forty guy, uh, teams, so they've got to survive those, and they might not. But to date, not only are they undefeated, unlike some of the other top te- uh, top 
you know, teams on paper, but they've looked like at one point or another, top five offense and defense. So they kind of, I, I don't necessarily trust them maybe because of the uniform they wear, but I think they've, I think they've earned number one so far. I went to Clemson and Notre Dame, which was what sort did, of football. What did I see? I have no idea what I saw. I have no idea if the winning team or the losing team were as good or as bad or as, uh, you know, it was such a strange – normally I, I can come away after seeing a team in person or talking to players and coaches. There are a lot of just bizarre and tangible attitude and disposition things. And there's a level of confidence in coaches. You can also, when you see a scheme well executed or you see a scheme that falls apart in person, I always feel better personally about talking about that program. And yet I have no idea what I saw at the Clemson-Notre Dame game. I feel like – the reason – I'll, I'll open the poll to this. If anybody thinks this is an interesting game, then I'm going to go to it. And if not, I'm I'm not going to go. I'm debating going to Notre Dame Temple. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, no offense, buddy, but you and I would hell yeah anything. So, <laughs> especially um, anything AAC. That's what. Damn I'm right. This is the official podcast, the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> um, which, by the way, I, I will say when I was at Houston SMU. Uh, it felt good because their head of PR and the conference commissioner, Mike Oresco, both walked up and said, oh, hey, Steven. So I, I don't get that kind of recognition from other conference commissioners. So Yeah, my current attempt at credentialing for this weekend was a nice reminder that you guys still I, suck. I think, uh, I think Greg Sankey would have me shot at about uh, 20 yards away from his personal proximity. Um, I don't know what I saw with Clemson and Notre Dame. And, and to me, it's the most confusing now because, he, okay, let's look at that Notre Dame-Temple game. That seems like a possible – that could be an elimination game for Notre Dame or they're a lot better than what I than, – than what they've done. It's just – I got done talking about how confident I have been in these, in these teams with losses. But Notre Dame, I, I don't know what that team is. Well, I think I, that was one of those games where I came away kind of impressed with both teams. That doesn't always happen, I guess. But, um, you know, Notre Dame, for all the injuries they've had, their defense is struggling a little bit. It's not that great. Um, you know, top 50, but not top, you know, 25, but their offense just continues to hum. And the Temple game is interesting because Temple's, first of all, got an awesome defense, a legitimately strong defense, but um, you know, they're, they're, they had, they're going to attack you a lot and that can either be good or bad. Either Notre Dame gets a ton of big plays or, you know, they turn the ball over a couple times, give the offense some easy field position and some easy points. And, you know, we enter the fourth quarter with uh, you know a tie game or within a, a touchdown or something, and so I think that defense uh, going against the Notre Dame offense makes this a really volatile, like a ton of potential opt- uh, outcomes in this game. Just you're not making me feel any better. Well, I'm trying to say go 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 go. No, I meant just about these two teams in general. I think that was the worst. I mean, there, there are so many things that rain and, and the emotion of a big game that I do feel like I always inadvertently challenge what you do for a living, and I apologize for that. But there is a sort of intangible attitude, uh, emotion aspect to certain games, and I felt that with Clemson more than, more than Notre Dame on that night. And Clemson got up to play Notre Dame in a way that I'm curious, and God, I, I just realize I'm opening the floodgates for Irish fans to beat their chest, but... 
There are so many programs. Maybe it's the way this new ACC agreement is structured with Notre Dame. The attention that Notre Dame receives as a national brand or whatever the hell it is, in 2015 at least, it really bothers a lot of the programs that they play like Clemson, okay? And I, I feel like that bleeds into – and I, I, these are direct quotes that I got from players, and, and, and coaches are too smart to say this, but mainly players after the game from Clemson's side was, look, we're sick of hearing about this. We thought in no way or you know, shape or form is this a better football team than us, and I feel like that – that's such a great focusing tool for players, okay? Because oh, yeah. there is legitimate – people ask us on the show, you know, is uh, like the concept of Clemsoning or, you know, like, oh, well, you know, and oh, here comes the narrative. Everybody just coach poorly and play poorly. I don't believe in that at all, but I do believe in sort of the – I do believe in the, the, the focusing aspect of certain circumstances. I don't know if that sounds too vague, but – when you get into a game week like Clemson Notre Dame, where you know you're the big Saturday night kickoff, where hotels weren't available, I think for like a hundred and some odd miles around the around the area, and you have this program that I don't know if they'd ever been to Clemson, but it had been a long time, whatever. I do think that sort of bleeds into the player mentality, and I do think it helps focus. And I've had coaches tell me that number, you know, numerous times. I think Clemson got up for that game in a way that they they may not have, and so I'm curious. And this is where I kiss the the rear end of Notre Dame. I guess is is Notre Dame always deal with that? Are they going to get that from? I mean, I feel like they're going to get that from Temple, right? Well, yeah, they, they always get, get somebody's that. home run swings, even when they stink, right? And, and I mean, they're not the only program that gets that, obviously. But no, there's there's no question that you're going to get up for playing Notre Dame, and and that certainly adds pressure to Notre Dame to to make sure they're up too. Because if you ever um, don't show up in a given week. The other team probably has, and you're you're in serious trouble. It's very interesting. Um, we'll transition quickly to um, here comes another smooth radio transition. Bill, Are you ready? Uh, programs that got up insanely so to pull off a home upset, and that would be the uh, the Memphis State Tigers. AAC. My word. Uh, look, look out now at that American Athletic Conference, y'all. Uh, by the way, I'd like to point out that these games that are happening in the AAC, like Memphis thumping a hapless Ole Miss at home, um, Temple, um, I would say holding down and punching Penn State in the face. <laughs> um, am I leaving any out right now? As I as I'm talking, Houston hasn't played anybody big yet. They're going to beat. I feel very confident they're going to beat Vanderbilt. Probably not the same kind of prestige level. My point is this: none of these games count in a couple years. Okay, none of these these games would be completely pointless for the schools that are the the big Power Five schools that are playing them because of the bias against the American Athletic Conference's ability to field competitive football. This is a sham. This is terrible. Uh, the AAC is almost certainly going to represent the Group of Five this year. It's not going to be Boise. Boise has two losses now. Okay, it's going to be almost impossible. Can you imagine a Memphis team that beats Houston as well, as good as Houston is, with what that kind of resume is going to look like, especially if Ole Miss finishes the year even 8-4? and four? Or what if Houston beats Memphis? That gives Houston a, a, a transitive win over Alabama <laughs> as it all shakes out. Or, you know, these programs are quality now. There was a time in which there was so much confusion going on post-realignment, and there was just no identity and no structure to what the old Big East was, that it made sense to think that they were going to sort of fall to accuse a level of, of you know, ability, of, of merit and value. 
that's not the case. Well, I think, you know, it's better now than it was because of the hires that the conference has made very, very recently. Yes. Um, that, and that's, that makes all the difference. For a couple of years, the Sun Belt was actually in pretty decent shape. Still, you know, last place or close to it, but not that far away from, like, Conference USA because they made a ton of good hires in a row. And uh, then they didn't, or then they lost those coaches, and the, and then they, you know, the the replacements haven't been as impressive. But um, no, I mean, when you when you bring in Tom Herman and Fuente, and even you know, like some of your bad teams this year, you know, SMU and Tulsa are quite a bit better than they were last year because you hired uh, your own young stud spread guys. And um, the, the, the conference coaching roster is very impressive. And, of course, the mid-major life means now they're going to lose those coaches and have to find the next good coach, and you never know if they will. But I mean, right now I, I, I've, I've been really impressed with, um, in this week's F-plus rankings, there are a ton of mid-majors in the top 40 now. You've got Navy 20th. You got Western Kentucky twenty fifth, and I can totally justify that. Holy smokes, they've been good mm-hmm. offensively lately. You got Memphis twenty sixth, Toledo twenty ninth, Utah State thirtieth. Utah State pulling a Utah State, and you know laying an egg early. Everybody stops paying attention, and suddenly you realize, well, wait, are they good? Um, Boise State thirty second, still Houston thirty third, uh, Appalachian State thirty ninth, Temple forty first. Um, that's a lot of good teams, and, and quite a few of them there are in the American. So uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I kind of wish Navy was actually in the East, uh, the, the American East, so you'd have Navy Temple on one side and, and um, Houston Memphis on the other. But it's going to be a really fun conference race to watch. And, and, yeah, with Boise with two losses, Toledo's still out there. Toledo could finish 12-0 and and kind of wreck everything if the AAC beats up on each other. But – you do figure now that the American champion A is going to be quite good, mm-hmm. and B will have a the the odds on it will be the odds on favorite for that um, group of five bowl slot. Let me repeat myself just so if you if you're having trouble rationalizing this or you're or you're scoffing outright because you're one of those SEC or Big Ten fans, the 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 real estate of really 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 good and really 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 bad is shrinking. I think year by year, very slowly. It, it, it's a creep. It's like a sea level, okay? And the reason why is that football's never been more popular in the United States. In areas like Texas and Florida, California, the, the American Sun Belt, not the conference, uh, there's no signs of, of this slowing in popularity, even as concerns of, you know, the physical injury, CTE, things like that. That hasn't caught up with football yet. Okay, so more kids now than ever are playing this sport. There's more innovation in this sport than there ever has been. You're seeing more teams at the FBS level field talent. You're also seeing a scholarship limit, okay? So there, this isn't the days of, you know, Bear Bryant signing 130 to keep other schools from having quality. That doesn't exist anymore, okay? The process has gone, a, gone under a healthy amount of, I guess, democratizing, Sure. So you're going to continue to see this. Now, we talked about this a couple of years ago when you, you saw these Sunbelt upsets. You saw an App State beat a Michigan. Or, and that was okay to understand, well, oh, these, these teams are well coached. These teams, you know, there's talent out there. You go to the Sunbelt and you can find good quality players. Obviously, they're not going to match up one-on-one across the board with someone in Power 5. However, we have seemed to want to ignore the middle, I think, in the press. And we wanted to ignore the fact that there's this 
really kind of messy gray area between the best of the power five and whatever constitutes the beginning of the group of five. There is no clear cut line and there never has been. Okay. The bad teams in the power five suck more than the mid level teams in the group. Oh, of yeah. five. Okay. It's something that we've, we've tolerated Boise as this doofy mascot that we've somehow led into the club as a court jester. There are way more teams that are better. Okay. There are teams that deserve to compete, and this is me getting on a soapbox. Hang on, if you just want to play some patriotic music behind this. There is no reason why schools and conferences should be ignored or relegated in scheduling when you have someone come out and say, okay, uh, all right, let's line up, everybody. All right, Cincinnati, you're cool. Uh, Temple, you, all right, a game against you will count. Uh, Tulsa, you go to hell. SMU, suck it. Uh, this kind of logic is just so, so stupid, okay? The fact that you're – because what you're seeing now is, is you know, the SEC, Ole Miss going to Memphis, uh, if, even if they had won that game, which they looked completely unprepared and probably the worst coaching job by Hugh Freeze in his young career. The, it, say, they, say they would have pulled it out in the fourth quarter. They were able to get a third down stop. They sneak away with a win. That game doesn't count next year when, when the SEC says, all right, you have to have one Power 5 school. Out, as an in your uh, out of conference schedule, that doesn't happen. That's so stupid. So you mean to tell me Memphis? So so Ole Miss could have gone in there and and destroyed Wake Forest as part of a four year deal, like a or two Army. and home. I mean, what what are we doing here? Yeah, Army's in there. I mean, yeah, what so, are, so you just schedule six years at Kansas instead? So two things. First, you just made my promotion a relegation argument for me. Uh, I love that Jason basically allows me to write some manifesto like every February about it, and I freaking plan to do so again because so much of what we deem you know quality or power or whatever is based on what conference you chose 85 years ago, and that drives me crazy. No, I mean, right now, uh, you know, I always lean on F plus for these kinds of comparisons because they don't play each other, and it's hard to always grasp. Um, right now, Kansas is 121st. Um, but they would count. Oregon State's 110th, and they would count. And then, yeah, you've got Purdue at 95th, Maryland at 93rd, geez. Um, Colorado 90th, Virginia 89th. You know, all these teams that, you know, every year, the, the, the names change somewhat, but th- th- there are always some bad teams, and they should be relegated to the second level of college football and replaced with Western Kentucky and teams who have actually made the right moves on the field and, and, and actually figured out how to put a quality product and they deserve to play other quality teams. Um, the second point that I was going to make in, in responding to what you just said is that this year is especially weird. And it, I, I, I would have to go back and look, or maybe we have to wait till the season's over. But it, it, what's really interesting to me is that it seems like more teams than ever are good at one side of the ball. And, you know, just leaning on the rankings again. Like Michigan, I got them 50th in offense, first in defense. Alabama's 39th and 4th. Baylor's 1st and 72nd. TC's 3rd and 55th. Like, all these teams, very few teams are are top 15 or 20 on both sides. You've got Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma's 20th in both. That's it. Those are the only three teams that are in the top 20 in both offense and defense. 
So I think that has created more parity this year and, and more, you know, potential upsets because only because certain teams that were used to playing good offense aren't. They're playing, not only are they not playing elite offense like Auburn, they're playing horrible offense, boring offense. And I think boring is worse than horrible, actually. Um, they're punting on fourth and one. They have no confidence at all. And then Western Kentucky's out here. They can score 50 points on anybody in the country almost. So it's been a weird year in that regard. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a, Missouri, I'm a Missouri fan who, watching the first play of the Georgia game last week, Missouri picks the ball off, returns it to the half-yard line, and gets tackled. And I thought my first reaction was, damn, there went a the, the chance at a touchdown, and it was right. That's another story. Whew. Out of breath. I really got fired up there. I expect a check, by the way, from the um, from the boys in Rhode Island there at the AAC. Damn right. What more do we have to do? I mean, this shilling don't come free. Uh, we do reader questions. We got a couple decent ones. Sure. Let's uh, let's pull that tweet up. So we do this every couple weeks. See, it's funny. We do this like leading into one where we're not quite sure if we have enough stuff to talk about. Like we right. covered enough talk, and then we always do. We just knew last week that it, I mean, come on. Yeah, there was no need last week. Um, okay, I, I got one real fast. Okay, uh, uh, you, you first or me? How are we doing? No, go this? for it. So well prepared. Um, this is just the first one I saw. Um, well, uh, it's a Georgia Southern question. Um, Walt, at AU Tiger, GSU Eagle. I guess he's, he's a house divided unto himself. Will Matt Breida ever get any acknowledgement for the media for averaging 10-plus yards per carry and a touchdown every 7.7 touches? Bill, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's pretty damn good, and no. It's pretty damn good. They had their chance against West Virginia, and yep. they didn't play very well, and they had their quarterback nope. suspended, and now they have to wait to their bowl game. And yes. They will play well in the bowl game. They will probably he'll probably rush for two hundred fifty yards. Everybody will go, "Who is this guy?" Um, but no, I mean, when when you're at that level, you only have so many chances on national TV, and they didn't utilize theirs properly. They're tough. They're a good team, and they're an awesome offense. And I love that he will eventually get attention. I tried to give him some attention in August, but no, he they missed their chance. I was there. I saw it firsthand. You can't lose forty-four to nothing to a West Virginia team that wasn't as good as I thought exiting well, that game. Just lose. Carl, just put put two touchdowns on the board at least. I think Carl Joseph losing Ooh. Carl Joseph is going to skew our you know injuries kind of skew our perceptions. The the West Virginia the first three four weeks of the season is not what we see now, um, and they Georgia Southern was unfortunate enough to not only lead the season with them, so they had more prep time, uh, but then also. Uh, they caught West Virginia in one of the only, like, three weeks of the year that they were completely healthy. Uh, i got another one here. It's, I think it's a pretty interesting one. At Josh uh, VC asks, how does the bottom fall out of a mid-major like it has for UCF? I know there's a cycle, but this is beyond that. Um, a really old coach who has slowly grown increasingly detached from the details that demand, or, you know, the details needed to be successful. That's yeah, my, I, that's I my that's knee-jerk answer. There's, as you said, the the middle of college football is very crowded, and when you take your eye off the ball or just <laughs> get old, or in, in O'Leary's case, get old and take on athletic director duties, you just – that's the one thing you learn and when you talk to coaches over time is that those little details are so big. And if you lose that – I think – who was it? This I might be giving credit to Bill Simmons here, which I don't love, but – I think he's the one who talked about, you know, NFL coaches, once they hit a certain number of age or, uh, or an age or a certain number of years or whatever, 
they just get tired and they don't pay as much close attention to things and they drop off very quickly. I think you can make the case that's a, that that's what we're seeing here. That losing by one to FIU and by twenty four to Stanford, where I think they're two most impressive results of the year, and since then it's been I mean, you know they they fought Temple for three quarters and then died, but it's they, I think that's all it is is attention to detail is, has disappeared. Let's see. How about, um, well, at Ted Chastain with Michigan's two current losses uh, close against current top five teams, should they be, still be considering the hunt? Eventually, if a lot of other teams lose. I think you need a lot of stuff to happen. Um, gosh. Uh, all right. Let's do this real fast, and we're going we're gonna to make it sloppy because that's how I work. Um, okay. Um, Baylor or TCU gets in, um, so there's one spot gone. You would need a perfect storm in the Big Ten, which isn't impossible. Um, so you would need Michigan State to lose to, like, what, Penn State maybe? Michigan, so you need a two-way. You'd basically need to create a situation in which there's tie, like there's a tie in the East all the way around somehow. Yeah. So Michigan beats Ohio State. They go out. Um, all right, so let's let's assume that happens. You would really, I think, need either Michigan State or Ohio State. You, you, three seven or seven, three two loss teams wouldn't work. I think you would need one of them to take a third loss, and then so let's give one of those spots to the Big Twelve winner. Let's give one of those spots to the SEC champion, and then I, I think honestly, we thought the Pac twelve was going to be out this year. I kind of like them to go in. Oh, I think I mean, only. Stanford, well, Stanford or Utah, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, don't forget that Clemson and FSU are both undefeated. Right. So you have Clemson and FSU. You would need Notre Dame to drop two more. Um, uh, well, one more at least. Michigan might be ahead of two lost Notre Dame, but no, I'm just providing a good or like a like a emphatic argument. Plus, I think like so, so say Notre Dame, say Notre Dame loses at Lincoln Field, and then they lose at Stanford. Like that's that's within the realm of possibility. It's possible. It's really unlikely. Because I think you're going to have uh, how many undefeated teams are we going to finish with, Bill? I, I mean, it's a possibility for Ohio State. I think the Big Twelve champion will be undefeated, and then um, I think the winner of Clemson, Florida State, will go undefeated. Yeah, I think three right there. I think that's pretty, especially if it's FSU, because I think they're, uh, well, no, never mind, they have Florida. Then I was going to say their schedule's easier, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to have pretty good odds of, of the ACC champion finishing undefeated. I, I'm less sure about the Big 12. I could see, like, a TCU beats Baylor, OU beats TCU situation, but, mm-hmm. so, that I mean, we, well, we kind of saw, I mean, nobody finished undefeated last year, mm-hmm. um, but... Yeah, you would need a well. You would need basically even if you're at the top of the two loss heap, there are going to be at least three undefeated or one loss teams ahead of you, and so you need only three undefeated or one loss teams. And I, I at this point, you have to figure there are four. It's the short answer I gave several drunken phone calls I received on Saturday evening from people from friends from my, my alma mater, and they asked me like, "Is it possible for Ole Miss to make the playoff?" And I just said, "Cheer for absolute anarchy." Well, of course, went out and hope nobody just else absolute does. insanity across the board. I was like, "It just any team in the top fifteen losing to anyone that's unranked or below that just just cheer for the strangest possible thing every time in every game that you watch, and then you might have a thirty percent chance." 
Uh, Ole Miss, though, I, I feel bad for them. I don't. Okay. Um, I feel bad for the, the good fans <laughs> that I know exist. Um, because this was, this was the year you wanted to be lucky with injuries, you know, considering who they're going to lose in this offseason, uh, considering the reset they're, go- they're going to undergo. Um, this was the year to get kind of lucky in that regard, and it's been the opposite. They were missing, what, the second half of yesterday's game, they were missing, what, five defensive starters plus Tunsil plus another offensive lineman. Um, they, they needed to get lucky, and they got, they've been uh, quite unlucky so far, and that's just, I mean, that's a shame. I, I, I feel bad for myself because I love watching that defense when mm-hmm. the 11 intended starters are on the field, and those 11 intended starters were on the field, I think, two games. The uh, the shortest answer on Ole Miss is incredibly, incredibly good, high-end talent, no depth. And so the, the, it, it is very much a cliff that you walk off of as soon as you have one or two key injuries, or in Tunsil's case, a suspension. Uh, that's the short answer. And then I think also some of the coaching was, was abhorrent, and they definitely, I, I think, I know a lot about that program. They have under Hugh Freeze fallen victim to large, strange emotional swings in terms of they're very, they're very inconsistent in the demeanor of the team and the way they prep. And it shows because they've for the second time, and this has nothing to do with Hugh Freeze, but for the second time in 15, 20 years, an Ole Miss program has lost to Memphis and beaten Alabama in the same year. So I I don't even know what you do with that. Um, Any other questions? I, I didn't see anything else that really jumped out at me. Our friend Joshua B. Black um, asked about Auburn's lack of explosive plays. (laughs) You know, both times now, you know, in 2013 and 2010 now, in the years that follow, Auburn has replaced its amazing, fun offense with a boring offense uh, with Gus Malzahn still on the sideline. And I don't know... I mean, I, maybe it's as simple as saying he doesn't have the talent he wants to have, or in the right places, or something. But it's really, it's really weird. It, it, you know, he, he he punted on fourth and one. He punted on fourth and one. They didn't call, a, you know, go into a fake when Kentucky only had eight guys on the field. They have lost their mojo, their confidence, everything. It, it and it's just it's baffling. And then you you know to have that game on Thursday, and then you flip over to Stanford, and you see a team with all the confidence in the world and can't be stopped. That was that was a little jarring, but I guess we're used to it with Auburn this season now. To justify that, I don't know if Malzahn's seen anything that would give him the confidence to 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 open it up and be riskier than than you know, or, or as risky I should say as risky as he has been in the past. Right. I think maybe they're all just a little shell shocked. Yeah, they have well, no Auburn confidence. Is still, I mean, Auburn is still the floor is not as bad as it looks for Auburn this year. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay, they've recruited consistently. The program's doing all right. Um, you know, are, are they going to be a national title contender next year? Probably not. But I mean, you're st- this is a four and two football team. Okay, they lost to LSU. They lost to Mississippi State. Everything's in front of you now. I will say that Arkansas game this weekend is there's there's a lot of desperation around that for both programs. But let's say you win on the road at Arkansas, you absolutely have the ability to beat Ole Miss at home on Halloween. You're doing fine. I mean, this is a. I think this is a, you're. Maybe a seven and five team. That's I, I now relative to a national title contender in the preseason. That's a disappointment, but you know this. The, I wouldn't say the sky is falling so much. Although the sky is always falling in Auburn. Well, right. I mean, it's 
it's going to be an extreme one or one way or the other. But no, I mean you're you're right that these upcoming games could go in any number of directions. Like from a projection standpoint, uh, they've only you know in my projections anyway, they've only got a better than let's see thirty one percent chance of winning one game. They're going to beat Idaho, but mm-hmm. they they could easily then finish five and seven, or. Yeah, <laughs> Arkansas is or, not unbeatable. Ole Miss isn't unbeatable. I don't think Texas is unbeatable, although it's in College Station, so maybe that's too much. But you know, Georgia at home clearly, clearly Georgia's got some issues of their own at the moment. But Auburn's 80th in my rankings. I, I didn't even realize that they're 71st in our F plus. They're 80th in mine. That's <laughs> when when I you think have, we're. I, we'll know a lot this weekend I, I, on the on the how bad is Auburn really feel. Yeah, it's it's a deceptive four and two, but it's a, it's 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 a very ugly one and two in conference play. And they're 126th in in rushing big plays in my rankings. That's unbelievable. That's so weird. Um, okay, I mentioned uh, silky smooth radio transition. I didn't do it as well that last time. Um, I mentioned Auburn and Arkansas. I have a um, I was accused at uh, our place of employment for. Seeking out, focusing, and featuring depression porn football games. Um, I will not be at Auburn, Arkansas this weekend. Part of me wishes I was. I, I do enjoy games like that for whatever reason. Um, if Auburn and Ole Miss lose this weekend, I really want to go to Auburn, Ole Miss next oh. weekend. Just for this, because I, I guess I am the angel of death. Um, what on the schedule jumps out at you other than the fact that, hey, we got a Tuesday night game? Where's the Wednesday football, huh? Everybody at church? the hell is wrong with you espn uh you know you could just stay home and go to missouri vandy by the way Ooh. ah you like see the problem here's the problem with that bill and i said i think i said this at work and i'll say it out probably there is no heat on mason right now Derek mason is probably going to go two and ten this year and everyone around vanderbilt that matters that i've talked to is just sort of bizarrely like uh optimistic well, I think their their defense has shown enough improvement. They have a downright strong defense, and I think that's helped, especially since he's a defensive guy. You That's probably the first thing you wanted to see. Their offense is, um, has shown no hope in two years, so you might want to fix that at some point. But I mean, um, I mean there's no heat on that guy. I, I, could, I could see it. Be, being that they've improved on one side of the ball, maybe that's enough. Um, I will say... <laughs> The, maybe the easiest money in college football this week is I saw that the over-under for Missouri Vanderbilt was 34, and that's like the lowest opening under, over-under of the year, but two Missouri games have hit above 34 this year, uh, and one of them was, was 37, and two of six Vandy games have gone over 34 this year. Damn, you hearing that, folks? Yeah, that's right. So, hot tip. There you go. Look at that. We're making. We're we make you money. We don't make you money. Um, anything else? Uh, anything on the schedule other than depression porn that jumps out? There's some good depression porn this week, though. I um. Well, actually, this is my weekend trip of the year. I, I I might make another one later in the season, but this is my one guaranteed trip. I'm going. This felt out of character, so I wanted to do it. I'm going to L.A. Going to the Thursday night, and <laughs> these are probably. They obviously seemed like maybe big games, but um, didn't realize they'd be big in this way. Uh, going to Cal UCLA on Thursday, where the ranked team is Cal. And then on Saturday, going to Utah USC, where the ranked team is Utah. Nice. Um, that should be... I love that I love that Utah's third, USC's unranked, and USC's favored by three and a half. 
And I and from my own numbers, I can kind of justify it. But can you? Oh yeah, yeah. USC. I mean, two of their three losses were to top what five or ten teams. The third one was to Washington. They're top thirty. I mean, you can certainly, um, if you are not an amazing fan of Utah, like I've been accused of being, and like my numbers certainly aren't, um, then yeah, you can you can make a case at least. If it comes down to you know the intangibles in the fourth quarter and all that, it's going to be real hard to find somebody who's confident in USC. But uh, purely on paper, sure. You know what game I wish I was at this weekend? Uh, I'm on assignment, by the way. I, I can't really talk about where I'm going to be, but um, I am going to be somewhere. Uh, Western Kentucky at LSU. Hell yeah! What up, football? Wow, like like who saw that coming? I mean, I'm assuming you know Fournette ends up with 28 carries for 325 yards, and and that's enough. But Western Kentucky is going to score. LSU's defense isn't amazing. LSU's defense gave up points to Eastern Michigan's. Western Kentucky is going to score, and I'm really really curious how long that remains a game. Let's look at the defenses LSU's played real fast. Oh, FSU fans have already done that work for us. Florida. Okay. Florida. Mississippi State's not bad. Syracuse is better than expected. <laughs> Mississippi State ain't good. Uh, yeah, okay. Just throwing that out there. Hilltoppers. Um, I don't. I really don't cheer against LSU. I love LSU, but it's just... I have so many people in my life. It's just fun to needle a little bit. That's all. Um, Texas Tech at Oklahoma, pointsy, um, largely irrelevant. Yeah, pointsy. Um, Wazoo at Arizona. Hey, uh, Wazoo's got a winning record. Just want to throw that out there. And they're they seem to have figured out offense to a certain degree. Um, they, they had not early. Look in the out season. now. That's right. They're, I think they're. You know they're they're starting to figure things out. We'll see if they can get to you know six, but they're better now than I thought they were a month ago. Clemson, Miami, I do think, in Miami, uh, makes that a pretty interesting game too. Not that Miami has an amazing home field advantage, but um, but that's a that's a tricky game. Miami's just good enough. If Clemson if Clemson at some point gets tired and takes their eye off the ball a little bit, that could be um, a really interesting game to follow. Could Boston College beat Louisville? Could they or did they? Could they? Could Boston College beat Louisville? Yes. But you know, Boston Where, College. So, how far do you fall if you're Louisville here this year? Oh well, Louisville's still good. It's just uh, what I Boston College. Even though you say that every week. Yeah, they were leading Florida State a half, so I was justified. Um, B, you know, BC has a good defense, and that can keep you in any game. I Louisville's better, and they would probably win. Um, but that big, soft, mushy middle of college football, I've got Louisville, let's see. I got them 41st, and Boston College is, oh, 27th. So, yeah, they could certainly be Louisville. What, what, what is it about Louisville exactly? Two wins, one over uh, FCS team, and a seven-point win at North Carolina State. Pretty good defense. Not yeah. terrible offense. I mean, who are their losses against? Uh, you know, <laughs> Obviously, good the teams. Uh, I mean, largely good teams. You're right. Obviously, the Auburn loss isn't near yeah. as as justifiable as we thought originally. But Houston's good. Houston's good. Clemson's number one in my rankings. Florida State's number seven in my rankings. I was on the road, so they should be better than two and four. They were close to be. It took a lot for them to lose that Houston game, um, and they weren't that far from from spring of the Auburn game. So yeah, they're close. And All right, so we're gonna figure out Louisville in the next month because they've got BC. 
at home at Wake and home for Syracuse, home for Virginia. So those four games. Right, these are the ones uh, you have to win. <laughs> all right, if if I if if they lose any one of those four games, I don't want to hear any anything else from you when I irrationally. Uh, hey, I apparently uh, have Boston with, with College ranked. I apparently have Boston College ranked higher, so I can still justify it. God, I just want to make fun of Bobby Petrino, and you won't let me because you have facts. Um, <laughs> you go right ahead. Whenever you feel like you need to, you go right ahead. Uh, Florida State at Georgia Tech was supposed to be a game. Uh, I know Georgia Tech's like every running back is hurt, but that yeah. oh, that's so disappointing. That's like the Ole Miss defense. Like I, I love when that offense is good, and it's not. Yeah. Uh, Wyoming at Boise State, I'm calling the upset right here. Right here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ascribe any actual, like, work or insight <laughs> to that, okay? Powder River, baby. That's my team. Uh, decent week. Not great. Uh, uh, I think it's gotten a bad rap. Okay. Okay. There's some sneaky good on there. And uh, I think, like you said, I think Clemson-Miami is sneaky good. Um. You know, Texas A&M Ole Miss was supposed to be a marquee game. Didn't really work out that way. Um, I don't expect much from Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, but you, you'll have, I think, weird fun things like Western Kentucky, LSU. Uh, but, you know, by, by the by, I think the two L.A. games that you're talking about are going to be super fun to watch. Um, yeah, Cal UCLA is going to end at like 3 a.m. Eastern time. I think in general, though, you've got a lot of your Ohio State at Rutgers business. You've got a lot of your Michigan State, at, you know, Michigan State, Indiana business. It's just not it's not super strong from conference to conference. Um, there's some dead weight on here, but that's OK. What Pac-12 after dark. I mean, granted, it's too it's it's not a true after dark explosive offense game, but Washington can play defense, too. So it's kind of like B.C., you know, they they'll probably stay close to well okay Stanford's offense might be untouchable at this point but Washington's going to be one of the best defenses they face so if anybody's going to slow them down it might be Washington uh last one K-State at Texas K-State comes off the blowout Texas is uh off of a bye a huge win against Oklahoma that changed the entire direction of how Charlie Strong is perceived in that transitive property says Texas will win by 50 uh, 62 so hmm I like Kansas State to win that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a safe bet, knowing how things usually go. Um, yeah, I, okay, decent week. Um, are you excited to hit the road? Are you ready to be a road warrior like your buddy Steve? <laughs> yeah, I, I like only doing this once or twice because I miss so much. Um, but it'll this be fun. Is... Like I said, this if if people like listed out the trips they guessed that I would take, I assume you know L.A. isn't one of those spots. So it'll be it'll be fun. Well, let me say this. I don't like it when you go on the road, okay? Because I'm on the road all the time, and uh, I miss 85% of what happens in the season. Right. It's, it's sad what I haven't seen. And so if you start going on the road, we're going to have to bring on another person on the podcast who actually watches these things and does his homework because I know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that way you're gone. Sorry um, we ran out of time, bud, Elliot. Maybe next time. <laughs> Oh, poor Bud. Poor Bud. I, By the I, way, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think uh, it's poor Bud. I think Bud's doing all right. Um, but Bud, Bud runs this show. Um, by the way, just to tease something ahead, um, I'm making Bud w- uh, walk through the scenario in which um, we take over UCF and we hire Gene Chiswick. <laughs> so there's my tease for next week. It's about stepping out of your comfort zone, right? 
Uh, I would say pretty far out of my comfort zone. Yes. All right, Bill. Anything else? I think we got. I think we're either we've either hit the hour mark or we're really damn close. All right, everybody, have a good week. Enjoy your football. All right.